Hi, this is Kalia. And this is Chris. And this is It's, it's a, a Queer, queer thing. thing. On this show, we focus on politics, civil rights, news, and entertainment. And on this show, we have special guests and interviews focusing on issues relevant to the LGBTQ plus community. So let's get to it. Hey, Chris. Hey, Kalia. Hey, Robin. Hi, everybody. We're so excited today to have with us on the line Robin Get Equal McGeehee, who, yeah. if you live in Fresno, if you're an LGBT person in Fresno, you probably know who Robin is. But we're going to get into that in a minute because we've got some exciting news. Robin is starting a new job. It's great. Great stuff. But before we do that, we always like to talk a little bit at the top of our show about some fun stuff that's going on in our lives. And strangely enough, all three of us saw a sa- the same concert, but in different places, to a couple of different places. So, Chris, why don't you tell us where we all went last week and what we all did? We went to see Pink, the Pink concert. James and I saw it in L.A. at the SoFi Stadium with Pink and Pat Benatar as the opening act. And it was amazing. The highlight for me... And I knew you guys will have your own highlights. My highlight was Alanis Morissette came out and did a duet with Pink uh, singing You Ought to Know, which I was sitting down. I had been standing up and then I sat down and then I heard Pink start doing You Ought to Know. And I'm like, oh, great. So I stood back up and I was listening. And then Alanis Morissette comes out and you see it. Now, you know, it's a huge space. So we were way back. So they're little ants on the stage, but they had the big video screens. Suddenly the crowd erupts and I wasn't that cognizant that night. And I looked up and Alanis Morissette is on stage. James and I had just a couple of weeks earlier talked about, you know, who would you still like to see? Who would you still like to see? And for me, Alanis Morissette was bucket list for me. I just adore Alanis Morissette. And she came out and did that song. And I literally... I posted this on Facebook and I wasn't exaggerating. I was crying. I was in tears because it was so emotional to me. And I was screaming my ass off. It was, it was just so much fun. And then she did a duet with Pat Benatar later. And, and so Robin, what was your experience? Well, I went, I chose our, my location, uh, which I think was Kaylee's location as well, because her opening at was Brandy Carlisle. So I really had never seen Brandy perform, but I listened to the Howard Stern show religiously. And she's been on there so many times doing special guest performances. And I have fallen in love with her music and just, just what a talent she is. And so that's the reason that I picked that location. And I was blown away. And Kalia, what about you? Yes. So Robin and I both saw it on different sides of the auditorium. I'm pretty sure you were on the floor. I was up in the side, up on the nosebleeds, literally only three rows from like the very back of the stadium. Oh. Um, But uh, we saw in Vegas, which was so the part of why I picked Vegas is I've never been to Vegas. And it was the weekend show. I knew it'd be easier for me to convince somebody to meet me somewhere and like go and like do all that things. And, you know, childcare is a a legitimate concern. I have to admit, though, (laughs) I didn't realize I was seeing Brandi Carlisle. Oh, Oh, my goodness. I thought I was seeing Pat Benatar. No, I knew I wasn't going to miss Pat Benatar. I thought I was seeing, ooh, baby, do you know that? Oh, wow. That's hilarious. Belinda Carlisle, you thought you were seeing Belinda I was was like, it's not Pat Benatar, but it's another 
80s rock icon that I like. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah. fun. And then like the day of, my sister and I were talking about it and she's like, I'm so sad that it's not Pat Benatar. I'm like, but 80s. And she's like, Brandy Carlisle's not 80s. And so then I had to look her up and I was like, oh, now I know who Brandy Carlisle is. She's Carlyle my is. best friend Cynthia's favorite artist. So like I totally knew and I was like, oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. It was great. So I was blown away because I had no expectations. And I also, I've never seen Pink before. I was not prepared for the acrobatics aspect right. and the fact that yeah. she does aerial flips and spins and sings. And then she, you guys, she freaking flies through the stadium. Yeah. 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 I was not prepared. So that was super yeah. fun and exciting to see. I And Allegiant Stadium is massive massive yeah, yeah so my question for you guys was because th- i thought i found this strange they they said the concert at sofi started at 6 30 so you know we were there at like six little after six to get in and get to our seats and of course it didn't start at 6 30 because i'm old and i forgot that rock concerts don't start at the time they say they're going to start and there was an opening act before pat benatar there was a that act and then pat and then pink and like when Pat came on, there was still, I would say, a quarter or more of the stadium that was empty. Was it like that for you guys? Yeah. I mean, because we got there right before Brandy went on. So we didn't even get, I mean, we were eating dinner. We had dinner reservations at 630. Like there was, we we had decided we're not. I was tell. feeling bad for Pink. I'm like, oh my God, it's not a sold out event. Of course, by the time Pink came to the stage, it was sold out. Yeah. Right. Yeah, no, yeah. we we basically got into our seats right as Brandy was starting. I think we missed her very first song, but because we wanted to stand in line and get merch before we went in, which we did. No, but then it was really, it was really, really, it was fuller as it got fuller as Brandy was singing, and by the time yeah. she came yeah. out, right. and Group Love did start at six thirty, so that was the difference in our concert. She started right at six thirty with the Group Love, and you know had the DJ and everything. But by the time Brandy came on, you know it was full because Brandy does have such a following. What I love is that she plays up the fact that everybody thinks she's Belinda Carlisle. <laughs> oh, she yeah. does. So she makes jokes. Yeah, she goes in. Although half of you think you were here to see Belinda Carlisle tonight, <laughs> I hope you weren't disappointed. So oh. she totally plays it up. So Kaylee, she is she speaking right to you? She, she really. So really you guys it. had also a DJ that was playing in the in the breaks and doing music, right? Yes. I yeah. found yeah. it. I found it fascinating because, as you guys know, as a DJ for twenty some years, and he's playing these this song, and the crowd is going nuts because he's playing this mix of songs this like medley of stuff and i'm i'm watching him and i'm like james this is all pre-recorded shit he doesn't yes, he's not yeah. and i love how though they're tweaking the little knobs yeah. on the he's not really doing <laughs> yeah. anything yeah. but if you're not a dj you don't know that but it was fabulous it's, i had a great time yeah yeah and i wasn't in four seats i was on the side and i totally agree with kalia it is so interesting to me to think that she can do the acrobatics thing and not be scared shitless as oh, she's flying yeah. around. I mean, oh. no, there's not a bad seat in the hat. Did she do that at the Hollywood Bowl? Was it yours at the Hollywood Bowl? No, mine was yeah. at the SoFi Stadium in LA. Oh, so she she flew there too. Then. Oh, she flew there, and we were at okay, we were because Marsha and Marilyn were there too, and they were in section one, and we were trying to hook up before the show. So I we yeah. started to go around, and we were in section two, they were in section one. We started to go around to go down the stairs, and this guy stopped us. He goes where's your going where are you going i said we're going down to see a couple of friends he goes if you're in section two you can't go down to section one i'm like wow. oh so oh my classism God, yeah. already but yeah she <laughs> so she we were far back from the stage but when she did her final acrobatic act she was right up next to us right at you yeah, oh, yeah. Exactly. yeah 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 she was yeah. i mean she was as high up as we were practically and like right along the edges and they announced at one point that Ellen DeGeneres was in the oh, Allegiant really? watching. Yeah. 
So that was kind of cool. Yeah. Everybody around us was like, where is she sitting? Where I'm like, nowhere near us, people. <laughs> nowhere near yeah. us. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, it was it was really special. She did a, a song, kind of a, an homage to uh, Shanae O'Connor, which was really, really moving. And yeah, yeah, it was it was amazing. And that amphitheater place was just mine. I just so, so big. Yeah. And here's a pro tip, friends. When you walk in and there's a merch line, there's more merch lines because we stood in that crazy merch line and then we gave up and we went upstairs and there was a whole other merch line with and the, and it was like a third of the length as long. And so we were able to oh, get wow. the merch real fast. So I have to ask the two of you briefly about the sphere in L.A. and uh, Vegas. Mm -hmm. Oh, it was amazing. We didn't actually amazing. go into the sphere. We didn't because, go in it, but seeing yeah, it. Seeing it was amazing. We saw it from the, yeah. uh, we did the, the, it's called the high roller. It's the Ferris wheel. Right, and right, so right. from mm -hmm. the top of the Ferris wheel, you can see it. And I took a couple pictures that looked like the earth and it was doing all its shiny things. And, and it does yeah. it change constantly? From yes. The, yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I could have stayed there all day and watched it. It was that impressive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. and it just opened yeah. what like a month ago or so. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. and you two was yeah. playing there on oh. Friday night. So because yeah. we, my sister and I were kind of like, oh, well, you know, they're doing like a postcard from Earth like experience where it's like sunsets and sunrises and like flying around and whatever. We're like that'd be kind of cool. We went and looked at the tickets and it's like, why are these so expensive? Oh, it's you two. Oh, and it's also sold yeah. out. Okay, well, I'm never mind. You, <laughs> I mean, you two yeah. is worth it. I saw you two in San Jose years ago, and I'll just I just want to lay this out there. At this concert, they had actual automobiles on cranes that the headlights of the automobiles were the spotlights to hit the guys on stage and they would raise and lower and turn around and it was spectacular they put on wow. a, a really amazing show that's amazing. wow that Very is cool. amazing anyway robin let's yes. talk about you <laughs> okay because here's my segue i'm loving so, the music conversation <laughs> <laughs> well we were all flying home on on sunday right you know the airport was full of people in pink which was real fun for yes. me because i was like making friends at all the different gates because i got there early and i got to wander around the airport which was super fun and i thought i wonder when robin and like all the other fresno people are going home i should send her a message oh no i'm busy blah 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 and then first thing i saw monday morning i'm in bed i'm like recovering and i click open and it's Instagram and Robin is on Instagram going here I am day one of my Fresno City orientation and I thought lady <laughs> <laughs> so you started your new job on the Monday yes, yes so tell after, our Pink. after the, the after a Vegas weekend so tell our yes. listeners what this new job is and what you're doing and how that all came about so the new title is LGBTQ plus liaison for the city of Fresno. It is a mayor appointee position and it's in community affairs or community coordinator. Um, it's part of their office of community engagement. And it has been previously based on ethnicity. So we had African-American representation, Asian-American representation, Latino, and then there was a Hmong uh, representative. And and that's been going on since 2019 when Jerry took office. And for years, there has been an effort from lots of different people in our community to try to advocate in city government, especially, you know, when Alan Autry held our city hall hostage and definitely did not have clarity of separation church and state. Since then, and even before then, you know, with other previous mayors, there were conversations about where do we fit into the city government when, you know, we don't have a voice. And so continually there were conversations when there were 
were raising the flag or as they were new administrations would be put together about we need some type of liaison because you have these culturally diverse liaisons, but we're a part of every one of those communities. And some of those communities are so closeted, those queer folk can't be honest in whatever ethnic group they may be, you know, being raised right. in or living in. And so luckily with all of the community support in May of this year, there was a community letter that was sent out that you guys covered on your show. Over 400 people signed the letter asking the mayor to, you know, put this position in reality. And it took the leadership of council member Annalisa Perea's office to get the funding to make it happen. Because although there was funding for the other liaisons, there wasn't funding in the budget for an LGBTQ liaison. So it's a part-time position, 32 hours a week. And the expectation is you help with community engagement. You're trying to help organizations find pathways that they can communicate with city government. And then you're also just helping people that live in the city of Fresno that are wanting to know how to you know, get issues resolved that they're having within the city of Fresno. So that's the story of kind of how how it started. So talk a little bit about Robin, because I know when we were talking about it on the show and this was happening in, a few months ago, there was a, kind of a headbutting with Jerry Dyer, who we respect yeah, and yeah. we support yeah. Jerry Dyer because he supports us. Yeah. But he felt like he was being pushed into this pushed. position. Talk about that. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, anytime that you put a letter together where you're getting community support, like a petition, it feels like a demand. And I think that what he was concerned about and what he expressed to me was that if I look like I'm buckling because someone said, oh, I'm going to just protest and, and do this petition, then, you know, anybody could, you know, start saying that. And quite honestly, I don't know if you remember when he raised the flag, he was concerned about, you know, what about the Nazis? If they wanted to raise a flag, you know, what would we do? And so I think the question is valid. So I'm not diminishing or dismissing that as not a good question to ask. Uh, But my argument was we have been asking for this for decades. It's not like it's just brand new. And we were continually being told that it was going to happen. It was going to happen. And I think that again, for Jerry Dyer, it's like, okay, you guys have a council member that represents the Tower District, which we all know is kind of like our gay gayborhood. And that representative is an out lesbian. And so it felt appropriate for the lobbying to be done to the council member's office, especially because at the time the liaisons were under heat with certain council members saying that those jobs weren't even important, that we didn't even need to have special interest groups having liaisons within the mayor's office. So the the juxtaposition of that is very interesting because I understand Mayor Dyer's point, which is if you come at me and I do this, it can seem like I'm being forced into it. At the same on the same page, if we yeah. don't push you, this could have gone on another 10 years. Exactly, exactly, yeah. exactly. And I mean, that it is a clear indication about why these liaisons are so important. I mean, t- even meeting the, the Pastor Lewis, who B.T. Lewis, who is in the African-American community as the liaison who helps with the Martin Luther King celebrations and has dealt with a lot of issues that happen in West, West Fresno and an advocate and an ally for all types of oppressed and underrepresented communities. And his leadership creates that pathway that gives them a voice. And to say that you don't want that voice in City Hall, in my opinion, is really just saying that you want the elite you know, leaders um, and the people who live north of Shaw to really have a voice. And what I commend, you know, Jerry on, you know, the rubber's now going to hit the road on whether or not or what we can do. But so far, 
City Hall could not have been more welcoming. I mean, everyone from just sitting in the orientation, there are staff and employees that are queer that work for the city, and they are giddy about the fact that there is an LGBTQ liaison. And it doesn't have anything to do with me. It has to do with the fact that they feel like, wow, there is someone that represents us that I can go to if I'm having an issue within City Hall. Yeah, yeah. And it's somebody in the absence of what, what has not happened for many, many years. So Exactly, yeah. So this was a, a mayor-appointed position, and I know that there had been, like, a call for people to recommend and, like, throw out some yep. names and stuff. And, of course, I, I totally think it's great that he picked you. Is this, a like, a, a long-term appointment? Is this a year appointment? Like, what? how does that work? That is a million-dollar question. Oh, okay. <laughs> I know that this is – the budget is they work in a July to June budget cycle. And so, you know, for me, it was like, okay, when are we going to get started? Because before you know it, it's going to be a new budget cycle. And this position didn't really take hold. And so I was happy that he announced it in September. You know, the Hispanic and the Hmong liaisons are both still not announced and picked yet. And so even those communities, I feel like we should be advocating and saying, you know, let's find good people. Let's get people that are really going to want a community organize around those issues and hopefully collaborate with our community to highlight what these communities together could do. And so to answer your question, as far as I know, it's an appointment that goes until the end of June. If there is a budget that stays in place, I think my appointment will be dependent on that. Now, I will tell you that for me, I don't want to do this long term. I look at this as something that we should be moving other people in from the community. I do believe that it needs to be established and be seen to be sustainable first. I don't want to just go in and say, oh, I got the title. That was great for a year and I'm gone. But I do feel like if in the first year something can be set up where we as a community kind of say, hey, we'd like to kind of put names forward of people from the trans community, people from, you know, a racial justice perspective, people of color in that position that are queer. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I don't believe at all that the mayor would be opposed to that. I think that what the mayor had seen with my own advocating with him is that, okay, this person's coming from the right place and really does care about these issues. And, you know, let's be real. He's not going out to the tower district and, you know, shaking hands and kissing babies because that's not his community. And so what, but what we have to do, part of my job is to put those people in front of him. So he is is meeting those people and building those relationships. And I was honored he came recently. I turned 50 and he came to the birthday party and actually mingled and talked to people for the entire night. He did. And that really is how you will be a one Fresno. You'll shape people's hearts and minds through those conversations, hearing the struggles, knowing the families that live in these communities. I really think that's what will make a difference. So let me ask you this, Robin. We don't know where this is going. We don't know if at the end of this fiscal year in June of next year, if they're going, first of all, they have to vote for the for the funding again, I'm sure. Yep. But do you have a feeling for the, as you mentioned the Hmong and who else did you mention? A Hispanic. Hispanic. Were those yep. already liaisons in the city and we're just waiting yes. to find new ones? So they've already been yes. there since 2019, you said? Is that, yes. So, so what happened- 
Exactly. But what happened was there was very vocal opposition from Miguel Arias's office who did not believe that these liaisons really did anything. That was any of them, any of them. He did not see, number one, the importance of having that those positions. And then number two, he felt like if they were going to happen, they needed to be within the city council privy. So they needed to work with in city council offices, not in the mayor's office. And I would totally disagree with him on both of those accounts, but he would not have a personal meeting with us when we were lobbying on it. We always had to meet with his staff. All the other city council representatives actually met with us. And so what I will say is that once he started advocating in that direction and he realized that it was going to stay within the office of the mayor and the liaisons were going to be something that were going to continue to stay he advocated for part-time not full-time and the two people that were in those positions were females who had families and they said i can't do this job for the hours that it takes i mean think about it they're asking this is a part-time job and it's 32 hours a week right. that's not part-time work no Right. And but I'm agreeing to do it because I deeply believe in this and I was doing it anyway. And so the funding that I'm getting as a part time employee, I'm going to put as sponsorships, buy tables, put it back into the community. But sadly, that's because I'm, I'm privileged enough to have a full time job. Right, the right. person that comes in after me, they, they have to have a sustainable wage and be able to do what they're doing. And that's the sad part about what happened in the politics of it last year. You lost two really good people because they couldn't do it as part-time pay and part-time work. Right. And now they're having to hire these other two people to fill those positions. So how are you making this work? Because you have a full-time job. How are you making this work with your full-time occupation? So luckily, I with COVID, I was able to move to a hybrid schedule even before. So I teach full-time Tuesday and Wednesday, and then I'm online Monday, Thursday, and Friday. Okay. But I once I knew that this was seeming like it was going to be in the... Because I was like everybody else. I went online, I submitted an application, and I don't know who... I know that other people did. I don't know what those names were, but I do know people that submitted applications. And I just said, you know, I'm going to go to a reduced load no matter what, because whoever got it, my job was going to be to hold whoever that was accountable right. uh, because there's funding connected to this position. I mean, not only the paycheck that I'm getting on a monthly paycheck, but there's $100,000 that's connected to this position that is not money that's in my, you know, I don't have a budget, but it is earmarked for the LGBTQ community to be giving away to organizations. And so I wanted to be able to be a part of that conversation. And so I reduced my load in the spring. So okay. right now I will tell you, I'm exhausted. And that Monday after pink, I sat there <laughs> thinking, what the hell am I doing? I mean, I'm a mother of two kids that are still very active in our lives even though they're 20 and 17, you know, they've got their own lives that they're integrated with us. Right. So it's, it's hard right now, but I'm looking forward to de December. <laughs> yeah. We, that's that, that's that lie that as moms, we say, it'll, it's going to calm down in a couple of weeks. I just got to exactly. get through the next couple of weeks and then it's exactly. going to calm down. I literally just said that to somebody today and she went, no. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah.
I can say that because I'm not a mom. So there whatever. You go. <laughs> <laughs> well, but but I will say that look, you guys have real your other jobs. You're doing this on you community organize. You're showing up on a Wednesday night at Clovis School Board. I mean, the people that really do have the passion around these issues and really want to give back to their community. It's more than just what their job is. Right. And so it's really hard when you're having to wear so many different hats because we're under attack right now. I mean, there's no denying that. Big time. And so I just, I, I pray that it is going to get easier in a way that we can create a community that can fight back as a unit. And it doesn't feel like we're just running and trying to put fires out constantly. So what kind of issues and problems do you foresee people being able to bring to you that you in this role will be able to help our community? Well, we're already working on that. So in August, before the liaison position had been filled, and from a community call of when we sent that letter out, people started writing back to Kat Fobert and Simon Bicell and myself saying, you know, look, we'd love to have a town hall and, you know, discuss these things. So we just said, okay, well, let's just call for a town hall in August. And we did that. And we had 100 people show up. And at that meeting, there were three most glaring requests on all the whiteboard paper that was all all over the room. And the first request was that our organizations begin to communicate with each other and collaborate with each other, that not this siloed, everybody's doing their own thing and nobody knows what's going on. And, you know, and some people jokingly wrote, you know, maybe we won't have 50 different pride events, you know, every single day of the week in June, if we're all talking about what we're doing together. Right, mm-hmm. right. Now, I don't know if that's really going to happen, but <laughs> I saw what the point was. Yeah. And then the other uh, request was that once those community organizations begin to talk and communicate with each other that although yes all this stuff is online which is what people will tell you in a digital world right now you know going back to the pink pages that list these are the gay businesses that we should be supporting these are the organizations and their contact information this is what they do for you in the community and so that one of the other requests was for us to create some type of pink pages with that group of those organizations and actually pass that out showing the community at pride you know these are the places that you can go and interact with these different organizations and with businesses that you should be supporting in this climate. And it may even have a list of don't go to these businesses. Yeah, I was going to say there should be as as long as if we call it the pink pages or the rainbow pages or whatever, there should be something else on the other side saying do not support these people. That's Exactly, exactly. And then the third final thing was that after that collaboration happened, that sometime in the new year, there would be another town hall that you would advertise that as an organizational showcase where you come up and it doesn't, so you guys come up and say, you know, we have this radio show. It happens here. This is where you find it. If there's something you want us to highlight in the community. So essentially a showcase of all the different people and organizations that are doing things in our community and reporting that back to the community. Because, uh, you know, people were talking about in that meeting, they come to Pride, they walk around to these booths and, and intermingled in that is people selling tchotchkes and all other things. And it's like, I want to know where to go for stuff. I, you know, and it's hard to keep track of all of that. And you know that there's so many resources, but it's like, where are they? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, Kaylee and I know that from running the LGBT center for many years that, you know, we, we had a list, we didn't have a pink pages, but we had a list on our website and at the center because people are always asking for counselors, for therapists, for churches, 
for all kinds of things. And, and they don't. And I agree with you. It's, it always seems strange to me that in this digital age, people go, I don't know what's out there. But I yeah. literally had people walk into that community center and say, I have no idea that there is even a community here. Whereas, you know, those of us, like the three of us yeah. who are connected all the time, we go, yeah. well, of course, there's a community here. But there are people yeah. out there all over the place that don't know what's going yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. Well, and for and the simplest example is someone who has someone newly coming out into their family, right. and they're trying to make sense of it, and they don't right. even know where people, what P flag is, or where it meets, or you know right. anything like that. Right. So yeah, for sure. But they know to look for an LGBT center, and so I think that you know part of what we have in our community right now is the belief that we don't exist. I mean, I think in Clovis, they were shocked with the amount of people that we had show up oh, at yeah, that school yeah. meeting. Yeah. Um, and I think that the more visible we can be putting those rainbow pages or whatever all around town, there is a message in that not only to the businesses and the school board people and the politicians, but to the community, we're not going to go away quietly and just go back to the closet. We are here, we are organizing, and we're going to speak out. And yeah. one of the reasons that the liaison is so important, because despite where this may go in the future, let's say next year they decide they don't have the funding. I don't think that's going to happen. But the fact that we have it now, that it's broken through the door, puts us at the table and yep. kind of, and I hate to use this phrase, but normalizes us being at the table. Yep. So whereas yep. all these people are saying, you know, there is no LGBTQ community and they don't need to have a voice. Once we're at that table, we all know that it's that first door you break through that breaks the, yep. the glass ceiling. One of the most important things going on right now, Robin, as you know, is in schools mm -hmm. where they're trying to out trans students. There was, uh, like, you, like you mentioned, the Clovis School Board meeting we went to, the Clovis City Council meeting we went to about books. And there was in Bass Lake, there was a meeting. Mm -hmm. And there are going to be more and more around yep. this issue of telling parents that if, the, if a child at school happens to say, I want to use this particular bathroom to match my gender, or if I want to play this particular sport, or if I want you to call me they instead of she or he, they're going to automatically report that to the parents. Yep. That's at least what they're fighting for. I think, how do you feel the liaison is going to play into all that? Well, that's a very good question. I mean, I I don't know that I would even say or even ask the question if I can say anything about that because I'm already saying something about it. Right, right. You know, I did think about that because the school board meeting, I think, happened. It was at the point that they were like doing interviews and they said that they were going to pick. And I knew I was at that last stage. And in my mind, I didn't want to even ask the question, well, does that mean I can't say or can't post? I'm going to post and say whatever I want and speak out in any way. And you picked me because that's the person that you picked. And <laughs> now that does not mean that I won't consult and say, you know, well, where are you on this issue? And go back to the community where this is where the city is. This is where the mayor is. And the community has to decide what they're going to do with that. And, you know, what I will say with the liaison thing, the one thing I really learned just recently, I met the Asian American and African American liaisons. And both of them talked about how organized our community was. They were shocked at the amount of people that we brought to City Hall to even speak on the liaisons. And they said, you know, look, we know you were advocating for the LGBT representative, but you also were advocating that these liaisons were important. And that is why democracy and being involved in it is so important, because we think this would have gone by the wayside had you not been there. And so 
so we should know that if that debate does come up in June, if we feel like in June it was a a good thing to have, we should be right back there in June advocating it because that is our city hall. Yeah, and I think that the fact that we have a liaison in at the moment that is you, that will there, you know, we are a, a powerful community. We've seen that over and over again, but. Knowing that we have a representative in local government, I think is going to bring more people out because they're going to feel like, okay, we're legitimate now. Yeah, 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 exactly. I hope so. That's how I felt with some of the staff, like, you know, what Kalia was saying. It was it was really interesting and something I didn't even think would happen, but to run into people that are so excited. Mm-hmm. So talk a little bit about, you said there's $100,000 in funding available to yes. organizations. And I don't even know if that's only LGBTQ organizations or also supportive organizations. Talk yeah. about what the process is for that. I know we have a, this show is going to air on the 16th. I know we will have a meeting on the 17th at the EOC Center to talk yep. about various organizations throughout Fresno, but talk a little bit yeah. about that. There is $100,000 that was earmarked for the EOC Resource Center. So that is already going to the LGBT Center. They got the funding last year. They're getting it this year. So that there's no debate around that. There is an additional 100000 that was earmarked for LGBTQ serving organizations. Now, serving organizations might be Planned Parenthood because they do serve the LGBTQ community. At this meeting that's coming up on the 17th, This is really about the first three things that were asked about from that town hall. The money distribution, we have to find out from Annalisa's office, like how does that work? Who gets to make the decision about how the money is going to be given out? I will tell you that there are particular individuals, too, specifically, that have asked me, "Are is the money going to be coming? How's, how am I going to be able to get it, et cetera? And in my opinion, that shouldn't be the goal of any of these conversations. It right, should be, right. how are we going to make sure that that money is transparent, mm-hmm. it is accountable, it is being used in a way that is serving our community, and those kind of conversations come from the community trying to say what those benchmarks are that an organization needs to meet to be able to apply for those funds. Right, you know, it's right. no different than grant writing. You have to, you know, show us what you're going to do with the money, provide us with your good standing with the um, nonprofit status in the state of California, all of those things. Now, I'm not creating that list, but this Tuesday meeting is going to start us in the direction of coming together as a community to decide what does that look like for us? I would say if I was going to think about a timeline, it wouldn't be until January when we would really be looking at these awards being given out. And we don't know how it's going to break down, how much dollar or there. We don't know any of that yet. But I think you're exactly right. We need to focus on not just established organizations in Fresno, but who really needs this, who this money would really benefit. You talked earlier about privilege. I think sometimes we have to check our privilege as yep. certain people in the community and realize that maybe the Hmong community needs some of this money. Yep. Maybe the Asian yep. community needs some of this money, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. And and I'd heard that there might be like a like a panel or an advisory board or some kind of group that would help the liaison you make yep. those kinds of decisions. And so is that what's going to be discussed at the Tuesday meeting, like the process of that or so that's a great question. So originally that would be what I would say, but like I said, I don't want to come to the meeting and say, 
I will be, I will, you know, obviously I'm going to voice my feeling and I will say that I think it doesn't even need to be organizations that are figuring it out. I think we need to be having applications from every district. So seven districts pick two people for each district. And, you know, let's just say that someone who represents an organization applies for the position. Okay, great. But they have to apply like everybody else. But it's not the organizations that are going to benefit from the money, figuring out how the money's given out. There's a little right. bit for me, there's questions of ethics in that. Now, I'm not saying I'm opposed to that. And so I'm not going to the meeting saying it has to be this way. But I do feel like it would be better served for district representatives to kind of make those you know, stipulations about what the benchmarks are and then look at what gets turned in. And that's how you decide how the money gets given out. And so that's the first part of that answer. The second part of that answer is I am going to, on Tuesday, continue to go back to the three reasons why we're having this meeting. And it wasn't about the money and it should not be the primary focus. Now, I am happy to answer questions about that. And I will say, look, that's why we need to decide as a community, are we going to have these organizational roundtables on a quarterly basis, on a monthly basis? Do we need to have them at night? Because there's people that run organizations that they have jobs. They can't come to a daytime meeting, which is what all the organizations picked. This The time is 3.30 to 5.30 on a Tuesday. Well, the majority of people that gave that answer, their paycheck is coming from the organization that they represent. Right. And so there's a disadvantage to the person that they work all day, Monday through Friday, but they do run an organization and they can only come Monday through Friday at night. Mm-hmm. And let's face it, most of the people in the LGBTQ plus community in Fresno who are volunteering or running organizations have full-time jobs this is exactly it's, it's not usually yes. a paid position yes, exactly like kaylee and i don't get paid to do this we didn't get paid right. when we ran the Wait. lgbt center lots of things i'm like not that. getting i'm not getting paid for this I'm paid. <laughs> oh no I'll, I'll slip you a buck oh okay well no he makes me cucumber vodka i get paid there, in you, vodka. Go. there you go oh my gosh yes i love it so I want to go back to something for a second. You said that you are going to voice your opinion and we know you, we know you will, but has yeah. there been any conversation with the city about limiting you in that aspect at all? No, that's the one thing I will say is that not at any moment have I been told you can't say this, you can't post this. And, you know, I, I'm waiting to see if the, the you know that will happen. But I do respect that, you know, even Jerry was making jokes the night of, you know, the my birthday party, he said that, you know, here you are, the first weekend is liaison and Kevin McCarthy is already out as speaker, <laughs> you know, and he's making, you know, trying to be funny about the fact that, oh my God, what have we done? But I do believe we are going to have things that we're going to see eye to eye on. And there's going to be things where I'm going to say, you know what, mayor, I can't agree with you, but you are the mayor. I, I am, I'm doing a job. I'm telling you what I feel like my community would say and what they feel. And I'll even point them and ask, but that doesn't mean that I'm always going to agree with you. And that's the problem right now, in my opinion, with politics is we all are in this siloed position and we're never going to get anywhere if we're fighting from these siloed positions, you know, trying to figure out ways that we can see it from each other's perspective and agreeing to disagree at the end of the day is where we actually could you know, potentially move forward. But just to say, I'm going to get my toys and go home. And there were lots of people who were like, I can't even believe that you agree to work for him. And, you know, he's the chief of police and he'll always be the chief of police in my eyes. And again, he's a human being. He's giving back to his community. He He's not perfect and none of us are. And yeah, so the yeah. only thing that we can do is say, 
He's in this position of power and either we're going to try to figure out how we can wield power in those spaces as well, or we're going to let someone else drive the bus and we'll just sit in the back. And I don't want to do that. And I don't think, you know, the majority of people in this community don't want to do that either. And one of the things I really respect about Jerry and what he said recently when you got the position was, you know, Robin speaks her mind. She tells the truth and I want her to do that with me. I did an interview with Fresno B two or three months ago and they asked me about Jerry. They said, did you have any concerns about him becoming mayor? I said, absolutely. I had concerns. He comes from a conservative background. There's lots of conflict I had with him in the past, but you know, he's raised the flag. He's opened himself up yep. to the LGBTQ plus community and people can change. And I'm willing to do that. And right. I'm not usually somebody yep. who usually says, oh, there's going to be any change there. But he has legitimately. I agree. Changed. I totally yeah. agree. Yeah. Yep. yep. And I think, you know, because yesterday was National Coming Out Day, there is power in telling our stories. Right. Even as allies, there's coming out of the closet as an ally is very important because it puts that on us, on other people to ask themselves, why are they not doing that? You know, just saying I got a gay brother is not enough. Right. It takes advocating and doing things that makes that gay brother feel safe, feel wanted, included, and advocated for. I've always said that as powerful as we are as LGBT. LGBTQ people, there's so much power in allies because the straight people listen to other straight people, whereas sometimes they look at us and go, oh, they're radicals, they're liberals, they're whatever. But they will look at their straight counterparts and say, oh, you're accepting of this? Let's talk about that. That's so critically important to our movement to go forward. I completely agree. So I want to ask a question. You said just kind of in passing, you know, I'll go to the community, I'll find out what they want, I'll pull them, et cetera. How can the community get in touch? How are you planning? I, obviously, there's the these meetings and the roundtables, but for like not the organizational leadership, but just yep. the random lay yep. person who is a lesbian living her best life, you know, just doing her stuff and not organizing in any way, but likes to go to Pride and maybe has concerns or opinions. How does how does she get in touch with you? Is there going to be a website? Is there going to be a specific email address? Is there going to be something that's not Robin, but is the job for people? Yeah. Or? Well, I mean, what they give me is a email address, which is robin.mcgeehy at fresno.gov. And then I have a phone number that's connected to that office. And there is a community liaisons page on the city of Fresno's website. And so that obviously with business cards that say, by the way, City of Fresno LGBTQ liaison, which I was shocked. I just thought it was going to say community liaison, and it says queer liaison on the card. Nice. And so that is one way, but it's also going to be me tabling at events and going and being present and, you know, going into the community and really trying to reach in and not just expecting people to come to us to these town halls or whatever. The, The major thing that I feel like these town halls could be for our community is a way for someone to have a pathway to offer a a complaint or a need or whatever. And a lot of times, you know, even the helpline that the city has, people don't know that there's a number that you can call that if a tree's down in your yard and you need someone to come and remove it, you can call this number. And so it is my job to start making that information available to people. Even in the orientation, I was taking pictures of the screen because they were talking about how you apply for a job if you want to. I mean, I went through orientation and I'm not eligible for the retirement or any of that stuff, but I thought, oh my God, everybody and their mother should be applying to work for the city of Fresno. They have one of the strongest and most uh, fiscally sound pensions in the state of California. And so why wouldn't 
shouldn't we be trying to tell our LGBTQ family and allies, hey, get involved in city government, you know, start working for the city and influence from the inside? That's so important because I think a lot of times we get tunnel vision as LGBTQ people and we only talk about what we consider to be LGBTQ topics, but we all need jobs. We all need yep. housing. We all have, we have yep. children. We pay taxes. We need yep. home repairs. We need street repairs. We need domestic violence protection. We need all of the same yep. things that other people need. And exactly. we need to look at that and stop thinking that everything is, that the LGBTQ issues over here and everybody else's issues are over here. The issues are everywhere across the board. Exactly. It's almost like we're just humans. Exactly. Exactly. And I will say that after this take care of our own kind of house and this organizational meeting. I do have a, really at the top of my agenda is to get into the Fresno Police Department and really try to build a liaisonship with them. I would love it if eventually the Fresno Police Department has an LGBTQ liaison on staff because that person should be standing at our savior during the drag event and making sure that police and attendees of the event and protesters have someone that is there making making sure that everyone is acting in the ways that are right for our community. And I, I feel like a lot of times we are on the defense because we have to be. And part of what that creates is a reciprocated defense. And so the Fresno Police Department looks at us as, oh, we're just critiquing everything that they do. And we have people that are police officers and queer, right. and they work for the Fresno Police Department or the Sheriff's Department. And so we need to be building relationships to say, you know, we're just wanting to make sure that you're going to have our backs when the Proud Boys are over there threatening our people exactly. and the spaces that we're trying to meet in. That will be one of the number one things that I work on after this organizational meeting. Very cool. And, and Kalia, we interviewed uh, the police chief, Paco Balderrama, right? Yes, we did uh, back in seemed, January. He seemed very open to the community. So I think that's, that yeah. should be a path we he should did. be able to walk. He yeah. did. Yep. We yeah. even talked about, he said he was, he wanted to have an LGBT liaison potentially. So yeah, that's yep. definitely something that is worth working towards for sure. Okay. Tell us that email address one more time for our listeners. It is robin.mcgehee, M-C-G-E-H-E-E -E, and Robin with an I at fresno.gov. And if you would like to call me, the phone number is 559-365-365. 0831. Cool. All right, Robin. Well, we just want to say yeah. congratulations. Yes. Thank uh, you very much. You're already you. doing a ton of work. We see it everywhere Thank we you. look. Thank you. And listeners, don't forget that you can always send us emails at it's a queer thing, T H A N G at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram and on Facebook and on threads as well. We'd love to hear from you. Remember, we are taking suggestions for future episodes. We want to highlight LGBT businesses and LGBT-friendly businesses. So get those into us so that we can set up some interviews. Our live show coming up on the 20th, we will be talking about LGBTQ business, and we have some set up in the future as well. Exactly. And then, of course, we're going to continue following that Pen America case. So keep listening for that. We'll have an update as soon as there's an update. And we will keep you informed about the town hall meetings. As Robin said, the next one is on the 17th. Chris is going to be there, and he will be posting on our Facebook feed about what is decided and what's going on and how you can get involved. So thank you so much for listening, everybody. And have a wonderful night. All right, Robin, go get some rest. Yeah, thank you guys. 
How are you not wearing glasses yet? Robin? Oh, I, I have them right here. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> you know what the glare Join the is. Join the club. Was-